1: They can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcarecom loss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss.
0: The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love.
2: Hi everyone and welcome back to Every Step Along the Way. So today we'll look back at a poor 2-2 result versus Middlesbrough. We'll discuss the never-ending list of injuries, your fans' comments and of course we have audio from the Sunderland camp ahead of our fixture this weekend. OK, well, uh, we're all pretty much back from the fall. I say all. Dan didn't go to the match tonight, but uh, me and Andy oh, are back. That's that's...
1: Throw that one in there, OK. Sorry,
2: <laughs> <I'm> sorry <laughs> mate.
1: So,
2: yeah, the, sorry. The, the full-timers uh, went tonight, um, and then Dan. So, either way, uh, welcome to the party. It's now literally 10 to midnight. I've been listening to Andy and Dan rabbit on for the last 45 minutes. Um, but, uh, yeah, we finally got back home. Um, actually, gate off the, the parking wasn't too bad tonight. I expected worse. Um, although I did pay six quid for flipping parking, the Robin swines. Uh, anyway, um, in more depressing news, uh, we actually drew 2-2 tonight. But before we get into that, um, Dan, Andy, how are you both? You OK?
1: Uh, yes, I look forward to um, comparing season ticket cards with you shortly.
2: Uh, you, uh... <laughs> Ouch! Okay, fair, <laughs> fair enough. Uh, I'll move swiftly on, uh, Andy.
3: <laughs> oh, I'm, all, I'm all right. I mean, we can tell what sort of mood we're in tonight. We're trying to liven up the liven up spirits, aren't we, sir? Yeah, we 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 we'll digress and see what happens with tonight
2: after that dross we've just been watching but never mind um yeah so I mean, let's just kick straight into it to be honest because uh the, the quicker we get over this the better but we do need to digest all this so yeah obviously we've only been back for about an hour none of us have seen any highlights um i know i certainly haven't um but i mean andy starting with you mate what what did you think about tonight i mean i know we got a point somehow but what was your overall assumption was it it was a pretty bad match one let's be honest
3: It was extremely poor. It's probably one of the worst performances I've seen a Stokeside have. And that's a bold statement for, you know, how much little football I've watched. But I felt like we'd gone back to sort of how we were last season against Coventry and against Blackpool when we did have an injury problem and well what's happened again? Confirmed by Michael O'Neill tonight. We've got an injury problem and we're four games into the season.
2: And it's always positions where you it's the least depth. It's always the same. It was Powell last season, I'm not
3: too worried about the midfield because, obviously, Thompson can play there. But with McCarran being out, we have no left wing-back. Unless you want to play Fox there, who won't get forward, the only other option we've got is who's played there now is Thompson. Yeah. And he's not a wing-back. I think Klukas came here as sort of a wing-back, but he's not a wing-back anymore. And Thompson, to be fair, for being chucked there in the deep end, has adapted very well.
2: Yeah, he has. But we, we really missed time tonight, didn't we? We had no threat going down those wings. And in fairness to to Fosu, I mean, he I thought he did really well. But uh, yeah, if we just concentrate on the left for the, to begin with, I mean, we had nothing, did we? I don't remember one. I think, actually no, I remember one attack down the left hand side. That's it.
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll give you that. It was one of them where it's always attacking down the left, and I feel like still tonight, even though we've got Fossu who. I've described him as, you know, a timing on the right-hand side. We still seem to use the left a lot more than the right, mm. which which baffles me. If you want to attack down the left-hand side, Fosu can play even side. Try him on the left-hand side for the second half if it wasn't, you know, working down the left in the first half, which it did do um, with Jacob Brown's first goal and, you know, second for the season, Gale getting a great assist. You're in line with it. But shall we talk about the potential foul in the build-up? <laughs>
2: Uh, potential, or do you mean the nailed-on foul? That... The
3: nailed-on foul.
2: Yeah, I, I it thought was... it was at the time, mate, but you showed us a, a bit of a clip then before we started recording, and I mean, that that's as clear as a foul as you want, isn't it? Let's be honest.
3: I, I compared it to the Chelsea-Tottenham game, didn't I, where there was a foul, and then 20 seconds later, we they went on and scored, and Nigel Pearson came out with a statement last night saying last season he was tempted at the end of the season to just... Quit managing and retire from it because of how officiating's been. Not because it's inconsistent, but just because of the poor decisions which keep going on tonight. It it's happening more this season than it did. It feels like for the whole of last season, and it's just gotten to the point where it's football isn't enjoyable to watch. Not just because we play poorly, but I feel like even for the top teams in the Premier League, it's probably just annoying to watch because you know the officials are just thinking they. They've got centre stage and they're taking everything into their own hands.
2: I mean, the one thing I would say is, I never actually thought I'd say this. I mean, bring on VAR next season. Yeah. If it's if it's still going to come in, uh, it it's charming. I mean, Dan. You may have seen the um the kind of our disallowed goal. Gale must be again pulling his blinking hair out. Um, from what you saw of 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 the Gale tackle with the goalkeeper, was it a goal or was it a foul?
1: The keeper looks like he slips, but referees always don't. Any the goalkeeper gets impeded or touched or blown on in any way, and he gets a free kick. Doesn't he? Every time Mm. Um, that's been going on for years, doesn't it? You know, goalkeepers get far too much protection. Really, Uh, I'm not saying we should go back to the seventies where you would sort of bundle them into the back of the net and then get a goal from it, but. They've already got the extra you know, the extra leverage of being able to come out with their arms and stuff and you know, win the yep. ball. Uh, if, they, if they come out and throw themselves at the ball, then that's their decision to do that. And if there's somebody stood in the way, it shouldn't necessarily be a foul if they collide with them.
3: I will come out and say something about it. I think the reason he went down is he knew he's made two mistakes, which have led to two goals. Yeah, I thought, I thought, I thought his positioning was awful. He seemed to play centre-back half the time. Yeah. Which, which, for a goalkeeper, I know like they like to come out and I know he's on loan from Man City and he wants to impress Pep. But tonight was a game where he's just shown that he's not ready for the big time.
2: No. No, he's probably not. One thing I wanted to ask you boys about, because I was trying to be ob- as observant and analytical as I could so I could speak about it tonight. But I, I think as soon as I realised that we were getting nowhere tonight, I, I started to take a real hard look at you know how we were trying to build the play and it was very clear that it was all coming through taylor again um and which isn't a bad thing at all but one one thing that really struck me was obviously taylor's trying to thread passes through um to different players or having to lump it long because there was no one to pass it through Um, and our midfield was absolutely nowhere at any point it was like we went defense nothing attack that's exactly what it was. And the only time we, you know, our players ever really touched it, when the defense played forward, seemingly to be when Jacob Brown was having to drop short. But the problem was Jacob Brown was being covered and is back to goal, I mean, covered by one or two defenders. So every time Brown would pick it up, he tried to lay it off, there was nobody there. It, it was so strange. I was like, how have we got a midfield out there, but I haven't got a clue where they all are. It was, it was so peculiar. And that's why we got nowhere. Bloody Sam Clucas again, the guy shouldn't be anywhere near this team. He really shouldn't. If you would have asked me Clucas or blinking Joe Allen, it's not even a contest. Not even a contest. And people were you know, slagging off Allen previously. I'm sorry, but surely if, you, if you're if asking for either or, you would never choose Clucas over Allen. Maybe some would. But for me, guys, that was the most inept midfield performance I've seen for a while. Baker was the only one that maybe could have come out with a bit of credibility. And I still question how easy that shot was. Now, I was a bit of a distance from that. My first instinct when when Baker's missed that shot which looked initially open goal, was that there was a defender on the floor or something like that who was blocking him. I could be completely wrong. I might be remembering this wrong, but um, I'm sure both of you would agree that the midfield was an absolute disaster tonight.
1: Yeah, they, they got outnumbered. There was, they had four, didn't they? Because they, they had an extra man dropping into the midfield. Yeah. And they just overran us. They had the extra man all the time. We didn't have the legs. Has this become the problem, obviously? J, you know, when we had Joe Allen there, you mentioned him. We always looked like we were being overrun. Well, we didn't look like we were overrun that you know, last home game against Blackpool. We dominated yeah. through the midfield. And the only difference is that Josh LaRande didn't play tonight and Sam Clucas did. And if you think back to Joe Allen and those championship matches where he looked overran, he was playing in midfield with him there as well.
3: well, We look lost without LeRon. Like without LeRon, Lucas can't do the job. And the way, I will say, the way that Middlesbrough line up with Paddy McNair, who did start his career as a centre back, when one of those back three wanted to attack, he'd just drop into defence. Yeah. The way the way Chris Wilder gets his team working is perfect, and I think I mentioned this to you, Mike. When I think it was when West Brom announced Alex Mauer going out on loan, he played tonight, and I didn't even notice him one bit. And I thought he was a brilliant player, but I didn't notice he was even on the pitch.
2: Now maybe he's still settling in, mate. But yeah, I mean, I've I've just heard the the actual interview that they had with yeah. uh, Wilder. Well, he, he was spot on, mate. Uh, it was the most one-sided match. <laughs> I mean, it makes you think, <laughs> without that foul to get us the goal, where on earth would we have found a goal from? We wouldn't. Especially in that first half, we probably wouldn't. We probably would have gone on to lose that one or two-nil easily. Um, and you know, I, I've seen a lot of you know, abuse for for Michael tonight. Um, I mean, well, I listened to his interview and he's done, you know, they obviously do two or three different interviews, and I'm keen to see if either of you heard, heard this, but so the one I heard was basically him saying we've had good passages of play uh, when we scored. We show good resilience. Uh, we deserve the point. I'm not being funny, Mike, but I completely disagree. Uh, we did not deserve a point. We did not play well after the goal. If you want to say resilience is sitting back and, and hanging on while okay, we're at home, is that really how you want to play? Um, I you know We've been big advocates of, of Michael O'Neill anyone who's listening to this pod will know that but I'm I'm not gonna sit here and defend the guy when quite frankly he 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 got it wrong tonight for me in midfield I think there's different ways he could have played it but the one thing that I haven't heard which is only comments online was on radio Stoke did he give the fans a bit of I don't know I won't say abuse that's wrong but
3: I did, saw did comments. did he give a bit of on thing? Twitter didn't I? And yeah. I've I've not heard the radio Stoke interview. I don't know whether it's fans, you know, wanting to try and stir things. I'm not putting he anything said, out there, but
1: obviously the reason the reason I wasn't at the match tonight meant that I was actually yeah I watched the game at home and then had to drive uh, somebody back to their house. And on the radio Stoke interview, he said that he doesn't get how fans can be all cheering and celebrating in the 91st minute and then immediately switch to booing when the final whistle goes. It's a fair point. It is a fair point, though.
2: Well, they did both, though. uh, This one was
3: really weird. As as soon as the full-time whistle went, they all cheered, and then there was just probably 50% of the stadium were booing. It's
2: It's weird how you can cheer and boo. It does show how divided the the fan
3: base is, doesn't it, though? It does show how divided it is.
2: See, the way I read that though was that we cheered because we got some out of it, but booed because it was such a crap performance. That's the way yeah. that I interpreted that. Now, I—I'll be honest. I'm one of them people. I'll put my hands up and say, Luke, I will never boo. I would rather just do nothing. I won't clap or anything into the game. That's my protest against things. Now, everyone does things differently, and they're very entitled to do it however they want. Um, but yeah. I f- I mean, Michael's got to be careful. The fans aren't exactly on his side as it is right now, by and large. So, yeah, as soon as he started, uh, you know, bashing Bojan and and all that business and all that, and it, it turned sour. And he hasn't got much credit in the bank for a lot of people. And for some, he's got none. So, yeah, I mean, overall, it was pretty bad. Um, I would be extremely angry if I was a Borough fan about how my team somehow didn't get three points out of that. So, yeah, OK, we've scored a goal that shouldn't have been, while we've had two goals that shouldn't have been uh, disallowed either previously. So you can kind of say that maybe we deserve that, that kind of decision. But, um, yeah, I mean, have you boys got anything else to say uh, on that before we check in with Johnny from the Borough Breakdown?
3: The injury situation?
2: Well, I'm going to come back to that. So hold that thought. I'll, I'll come back to it. That's fine. Dan, any further
4: comments before we hear from Johnny, mate?
1: No, I see what he's got to say.
4: Hello guys, Johnny here from the Borough Breakdown, um, just to give you my reaction from the, the draw at the Bet365 this evening. Ah, I don't know how Borough haven't won it, Um, you know, obviously I thought the first goal from Stoke was a bit of a foul on Isaiah Jones, um, but I thought, bar that, we just dominated the game, I thought we were really, really good, played some excellent stuff, and then to get it snatched away right at the end is is cruel, but you know, if you don't defend properly uh, in this division, you know, you get punished for it, in, The goal was a good header from Ray Phillips and it's just a shame that we we haven't walked away with the three points because we created so many chances. But either way, you know, it's one of those games I think Borough are going to keep clicking. I think we'll be up there come the end of the season. But, you know, difficult way to to draw a game tonight. I thought we were going to pick up the three points and I thought we were really good at times. But credit to Stoke, you know, they they kept themselves in the game. Somehow and managed to get a result. But thanks for having me on, guys. Um, Really appreciate it and uh, best of luck until we meet again. Lovely. So
2: yeah um obviously Johnny thank you for sending the obviously the audio over mate um yeah I'm not surprised I'd be disappointed like I said to to not walk away with a win uh, I thought you actually took that whole situation really well uh, considering what you said and uh yeah I mean I'm sure that you will get your payback uh, when we when we visit uh, there later on in the season um so obviously all the best uh, between now and then um, okay, so Man of the Match polls um, I must admit, I'm going to put my hands up here And say that I told Dan not to put a Man of the Match poll out I thought we were going to get <laughs> reams of abuse But in fairness to you, mate, we actually haven't So I will admit that I was wrong um, So, yeah, do you want to just give us a bit of an update On Man of the Match? I mean, we're going to keep getting these in through the night But where do we stand right now?
1: You must just be you uh, be a big nickel wet It wasn't. obviously wasn't as bad as
2: you thought <laughs> It was, but never mind.
1: But right, we've got Stewart in block nine. He's got one percent of the vote. No one, <laughs> no, no one got two percent. The corner flag got five percent. The ref got one. Michael O'Neill got one percent. Um,
2: you are joking, I take that. We, 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 these, no, these haven't no, been no, added no, on by fans, are, have they?
1: Yeah, people can add their own on, can't they? So, I've got to your... check whether this is going on. Daniel Kondrakiuk, sorry about that if I've butchered your name, my friend. Uh, Sean Thompson, Adam Barker, Adam Clulo, I've all added them on. I love
2: that, Stuart Block (laughs) 9, that's great.
1: Oh, these are actually things which have been put in. Uh, Right, so Joe Basic is the runaway, I I think it's safe to call him the winner, 44% of 118 votes he's got so far. Second place at the minute is DiMaggio Wright Phillips, his cameo at the end, got the equaliser, he's got 15% of the vote, and his fellow goal scorer Jacob Brown has 13%. Connor Taylor got seven percent, and Tariq Fosu, debutant got four percent, and then there's just ones and twos scattered around. If you're interested in who didn't who hasn't got any votes, uh, Wilmot, Klukas, Smallbone, Campbell. Kilkenny. Will Smallbone. I messaged you in the first half and said, Will Smallbone may as well put a Middlesbrough shirt on. He was woeful tonight. was dreadful. And the thing for me, if you look back to Blackpool, what impressed me in that game was the the strength of the passing, the quick passing through. It was Laurent. Baker, Smallbone, Gale—four very good technically technical footballers—and they were all pass. I didn't think the was involved that much actually. It was more Baker, Smallbone, Gale, but the interchange between them three, moving the ball quickly, sharply, drilling it into each other's feet even from short distances, laying it off to you know, from one to another. And because they're all good technical footballers, they could do that. And that created then one of them into space to then probably feed it into time. And tonight, Will Smallbone was not on it at all. And I think that's where the midfield was really, really struggling because every time the ball went to him, he he was either uh, unaware of what to do, like he didn't know whether he should pick up or whether he should let it roll to a teammate on a couple of occasions, and then they both ended up, it was Jacob Brown a couple of times, and they both ended up leaving it for each other. And then a the Middlesbrough player just sort of swore through like, oh, I'll take this loose ball then, thank you. Every time the ball went to him, it just sort of bounced off him. Uh, he just sort of stabbed it to, towards just general areas. He just didn't look on it at all today. And for as good as he was against Blackpool, and I know we were saying, if he played that high every week, then we haven't got a rushing it power back. This was the complete opposite end of the scale. And that's probably why he's on loan at Stoke and not in Southampton's team.
2: Yeah, you've got to accept he's not going to be on it every week. I mean, for me, he's done nothing wrong, Pricer, today. I think he definitely deserves more time. I mean, again, we'll come on to injuries in, in, a, in a minute, but Nick Powell's going to be back in a few weeks. So um, he needs to. He needs another good couple of performances, to be honest, because there'll be a bit of a clambering if we're not getting results for, for Powell to come back in. So... Yeah. Um, okay. Interesting. I thought Bursic got the uh, the man of the match. I mean, it was all right. I I, I wouldn't personally have given him man of the match. Did
3: you notice I thought... that they didn't announce a man of the match day at the game?
2: <laughs> yeah. See, I told them they shouldn't have done. Uh, yeah. But no, it, it, I thought... I the uh... last
3: time they did that was when we lost like a 3-0, one to, it? And then they did in the end, like the 95th minute, and everyone was like... It was Sam Clucas or something. Everyone was like, how's he got it? So they probably learnt from past mistakes, but...
2: Well I'm gonna vote for the corner flag, mate. I think that I thought it you know, stood, stood strong, didn't let anything get past it, it was spot on. But no, I actually went for Fosu. I thought Fosu would great yeah, considering the guys only well. trained one day. OK, lovely. Well, just um, in terms of a few comments. So, basically, yeah, as you'd expect, we got bombarded with comments, to be honest with you. Uh, so I'm just going to pick out the kind of first four or five that i come to. Uh, so first thoughts from Ben Burgess. So he says, Fosu, uh, what were our first thoughts on him? I think we've kind of just said that, really. I thought we did pretty well. Um, Has anyone seen our midfield? No, not a clue where they are. Uh, Squad depth issues? Absolutely. We're starting to see those now. Um, and still no plan B after six years. Uh, Made changes, but nothing changed on the pitch. Beginning to lose faith personally. When you see three midfielders stood in a line, not marking and watching a game, it's worrying. Uh, Connor says, am I the only one who isn't buzzing about the due to the fact it'll mean next to no playing time for DiMaggio? Which is an interesting comment. Uh, Dan Gator, why on earth have we got back three in the box on a goal kick? Uh, We're playing five at the back for a home game, constantly inviting pressure. With no threat, Smallburn had a shocker. Boring, boring football. John Farrar uh, played by far the best team so far in Borough. Fosu, Gale, Brown, Baker, Thompson and Jags were okay. The rest of the starting side look way out of their depth. Ty and DiMaggio gave us a bit of energy. We have a lot to do with our key players and need a few more in. I don't think I can disagree with too much much of that anyway. I think the whole (laughs) comments around, obviously, you know, the, the three defenders in the box. I think that's become a lot more commonplace. Um, in fairness, you know, the, the fact that the attackers can't get into the box, I think with teams like us where we're trying to play it out from the back I think that's just commonplace. so I think we need to get used to that um, better than a keeper just kicking it long every single time but I, I, I get your point OK, well, I think it's pretty much time to move on pretty much, unless yeah. either of you boys have got I've, anything else to say.
3: I've got a quick final comment mm. So, when Delap does come in, if he does come in, even though it's a done deal what happens with DiMaggio
2: He'll go out on loan, I think.
3: But after his impact sub tonight, and apparently subs are going up to nine on the bench, do you want to send him out on loan?
2: I, I, I wouldn't. I, I think he offers you something different. And if you need to change formation or you know, you can have that free-roaming player, yeah, then yeah. he's worth having. The problem is with DiMaggio, he doesn't fit into our setup as a starter. Yeah, that's the
3: problem we've got. That
2: is the problem. If we have, we're playing wingers or we had a literally a midfield where we could have somebody has a free role, which we can't really afford to do at the minute, then I think, yeah, okay, but there's no place for him, so I personally would keep him, I think it'd be stupid to send him out alone, we don't have enough depth in that attacking midfield area as it is, and also, you know, again, he showed he can just float in at the back post and and get one in so yeah i think it'd be a, a bad decision personally cool okay right so uh let's move on uh to uh for the kind of news ish section uh so we'll have a look obviously at the kind of transfer rumors um some injury news and have a look at the under 21s as well okay so um let's start off with the transfer news now um i mean there's a few obvious bits and probably by the time this goes out uh, on friday there'll be a kind of Dillap would have signed, but obviously everyone was probably aware and they've probably seen the pictures by now that obviously Liam delap has been sat in the stadium today. Um, hopefully the guy signed up before we played that match, but I've got a feeling that that may not be the case. So um, hopefully he's not going to do it at George Burley and leave the stadium and never come back. But uh, I'm assuming, boys, that, uh, I mean, other than the fact that it's going to create a real headache for who's going to play up front, but I'm I'm assuming both of you are, are more than happy with this one.
3: You've got to be, haven't you? We need a target, man. Um, apparently, the only lack in his game is what Pepper said, is that it's holding up play, holding up the ball. But if it's worked on like Brown's been worked on over the past season, two seasons, if he can work on that holding up the ball for a bit more than already the quality he's got, he's he's the perfect striker for the championship, isn't
2: he? Certainly could be, mate. And hopefully he's as good as he's been looking under. I mean, let's face it, Southampton didn't offer 16 million quid because he's, he's a rubbish striker, have they? Um, yep. I mean, how we how we managed to get it. I mean, what was it? We've, we've um, kind of fought off ten other teams.
3: Uh, to Something get like it. that. We fought off West Brom, and I think we fought off Middlesbrough as well. And I think when Southampton offered sixteen, Man City said they wanted double of that. So technically, we're going to have a thirty million pound plus valued striker in our team, which is a lot of pressure for a young lad.
2: How long will it be until he gets injured?
3: <laughs> don't don't
2: yeah, don't start saying
3: there. that. But it's also good, like we said, that he's not been given kit number 24 like his dad. As a lot of people would love that, it's going to take a lot of pressure off his shoulders as well, so he's not compared.
2: Yeah, he'll have number 99 or something like that, just to really <laughs> separate it. I mean, down what do you think? But his goals old...
1: target for the season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, what, what do you reckon to the lap? But again, I'm assuming you're happy with this one.
1: Of course, yeah. yeah. I um, say, really. Um, highly talented, high very well thought of striker you know, for Manchester City and England, and yeah, I think in, in years to come, he, uh, yeah, yeah, we looking back and thinking, yeah, he played for Stoke for a season, either, <laughs> when he's yeah, banging goals in at the World Cups for, for England and that. He's uh, yeah, I think you got a very bright future ahead of him, and we just need to make the most of him. wisely here, I think, and try and get the best out of him and let him develop um because obviously if he does go back a better player than when he came it'll help us in the future to get other players maybe maybe we could have Cole Palmer next year he's decent he maybe wants a low move next year
2: i saw those one, comments on twitter today yeah
1: I, one one thing i will say though is uh, i I wouldn't be too unf- you know wouldn't be too uh, upset if he didn't make his debut on saturday and we saved him for the week after. Because, obviously, you know, we knew what happened when Rory that made his home debut against Sunderland.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, oh, that'd just be so law, wouldn't it? You fight all this time to get him through the door. You get him through the door and he's out for six months. Oh, my and word. That's just so stoke. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and the rest. But, uh, I mean, that'd just be so stoke, oh. wouldn't it? Let's be honest. It
1: would sign on the Friday. Break his leg on the Saturday. Back at Man
2: City on the Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um another news anyway, obviously we, again, one player that has kind of signed in between the time we lasted a pod and obviously this one, um, as we have seen today, Fosu signed. So um, as we've said earlier, good start from him. Um, so it was, it was nice to kind of see him. I mean, he's a quite a versatile player, um, but it's one thing I think we'd all hand on heart say that we've never really seen him properly. Um, he's so bloody quick yeah he, he he is quick mate he, he didn't again he didn't do anything wrong for me um at all but uh anyway we had a, a quick uh, chat with Tom as uh, so he's a Brentford fan so he's got in touch with us just to give us a bit of an overview of obviously what to expect uh from this season so uh let's have a quick
5: listen to what he's had to say hi everyone Tom here Brentford fan to give you a bit of information on your new loan signing Tarek Fossey from ourselves um Signed him originally from Oxford United uh, about three years ago. First season barely played, mainly as a squad player. But our second season, the season before, in our last season in the Championship before we've gone into the Prem, played a total of 39 games, starting 19 of them. Unfortunately, I think he got overshadowed slightly from the like because we had our front three of Brian Bummo, Ivan Tony, and Sergi Canos, and so he didn't really get the the game time I think required throughout that season. Played so many different positions an incredibly versatile player he played left wing right wing left wing back right wing back and also played through the middle as well so i don't know where he's going to be playing for stoke but he could be playing in a number of positions i think my preferred position for him when i watched him was probably on the left wing i think he's got really good talent really skillful player can definitely create goals and definitely cause problems for defense running down the wing um, he hasn't really had a chance, obviously. This uh, last year, last season, injury prone for mo- like injury for most of the season really put him out, and therefore, you know, now it's sort of coming back. We've got a sort of a solid eleven. It's it's hard for him to struggle to get in the team. I think he needs to go out and get the game time, and hopefully, he'll get that with Stoke. I think it's a really good signing for you guys. Hopefully, he'll play really well this season. Score you lots of goals, get you lots of assists, and hopefully, we'll see you guys in the Premier League soon. Cheers, guys.
2: Tom, thank you very much indeed, mate. So, yeah, basically, as he he says there really, guys, he's a very versatile player, which is what uh, we kind of, I suppose we need, especially now, we need someone who can play in defence, midfield, striker, goal, uh, wing back, everything. So, um, I mean, to be fair, his name is probably going to come up in a few different positions this year. But uh, yeah, so I thought it was quite interesting as well how he said he he quite fancied him on, on the wings. Maybe that Adds a little bit more context as to why he's probably playing wing back uh, in terms of you know we're we're just going to try and score more than the opposition and that's going to be our mantra. We can't defend well enough, so let's just try and score three if they score two. Uh, the old Johan uh, Boskamp uh, approach to things. Um, well, cool. He's, cool.
1: He's, he is a winger though, isn't he? He, he is a winger by trade. So he's a
3: winger and attacking midfielder.
1: That's the thing that people are saying we're playing five at the back. We haven't really. We've been playing three at the back and five in midfield this season so far. And Foster, I mean, yes, he was very defensive today, but you think he can't train much. And tactically, he's not sort of, you know, he's a left winger. He has to play the right hand side and where's the wing back as well. Yeah. So, you know, it's going to take him. He's probably a bit unsure as to how far forward he needs to go. Um but yeah, Jordan Thompson again, he's a midfielder playing so we yeah, you know, it's people saying oh we were playing five defenders. That formation isn't a defensive formation played correctly. I think when Harry Souter's played in that in the middle of that three, I mean, it's a completely different formation to the one we're playing currently. Whether whether we should be playing it currently is another matter. But we'll move back onto that shortly, I'm sure.
2: Yeah, well, we've got we've got enough strikers, uh, or we'll have enough strikers come Saturday that we could probably pay six up front, to be honest. And uh, I say maybe the boss camp uh, way of, of doing things, Dan, is is the way. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's, it's weird. I mean, the, the defender links have disappeared um, a little bit. I know, obviously, everyone is on about another clock uh, potentially, but that one's been going on for a couple of weeks. Um, I think Dan, uh, either you or I think Andy were on about. We might have to resort now to free transfers uh, for for the defensive positions. Um, but I swear, when Andy was running through them, there wasn't exactly much much quality in The, the no. left centre back position, to be honest,
3: there isn't much. There's obviously the two quality players we know: Matt Clark and Terence Congolo. I don't. The Congolo one's gone extremely quiet.
2: Uh, it says C- to me that it's not worked out.
3: Yeah, because he was he, wa- he yeah. was on trial here. Um. It's com- completely fallen apart. Matt clark has got a few teams linked with him. I think Watford and I think Burnley have also got links. So you probably know which team he's going to go to after tonight. But there's not really anyone else I can really name in the centre-back department. Um, Winston Reed is the other one that comes to mind. But it's whether you want to have a short-term solution again, which we've done for the past two and a half years.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'll am tell you what, actually. In fairness, Wilmot has grown into that position a little bit. Now, I'm not saying I'd, I want him to stay there, obviously. um. But what Wilmot does, he spends the, the opening 10 minutes of a match like a like Bambi on ice is what he does. Um, And then as soon as he gets past that, he's actually been OK. Better than I thought he was going to be, if I'm honest. So I'm not saying we, we stick with that until January, but he's not been as bad as I expected, to be fair.
3: He did the same with a right-back spot, didn't he? He wasn't yeah. the best at the start, but he warmed up to it. And I feel like, I know Taylor's been playing on the right-hand side, but maybe just for a half, swap them around. And if it doesn't work, you can swap them back. I just yeah. want to see what Taylor's like on the left-hand side because we've not seen that yet.
2: No, we haven't. But I mean, how how good is, I mean, a bit off topic here, but how good has Taylor been? I mean, did any of us think that he was going to be playing all these games?
3: You didn't. No. You in preseason, he looks way out of his depth. Everything's going over his head. And to be fair, he has made one or two mistakes, like the first goal against Huddersfield. He was ball-watching a bit. Mm-hmm. But everything we created from defence came from him.
2: It, yeah, it always does, and it? I mean, Jags has done nothing special. Nothing bad, but nothing special. Uh, I mean, Wilmot, again, isn't doing much. Um, Taylor is our only defensive outlet. I mean, I can't wait to see when Suter comes back to see how that all shapes up. Obviously, he's going to replace Jagielka, no doubt. But um, we're going to then have two ball-playing central defenders. I mean, that that could be really good. But again, we need to sort that midfield out. Doesn't matter how, how good your defenders are, there's no one to actually receive the ball. But um, you're right, mate. I I didn't rate him in preseason. I think from what we saw in preseason, I think it was a it was a fair comment to make at that point. But yeah, I'm I'm really happy to see him doing well. So. Injury news. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, Christ. Oh dear. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's just run you through the main injuries that we know about. Obviously, Nick Powell, long term, he's going to be back in two weeks' time, I think you said, Andy.
3: Yeah. That's when he's probably started training, probably three or four, till he's back in the match day squad, just to be safe, because we know what happens when we rush Nick Powell back.
2: And the question
1: so you're is. talking he... after the international break, then. Oh.
2: Yeah. 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 Um, so obviously, Powell. I say the, the question for me with with Powell is, if Smallbone just gets back to his good decentish form, um, where does Powell fit into this? Rotate them. Yeah, maybe one away, one at home. Maybe, maybe if
3: Lawrence's still injured, Smallbone just plays a little bit further back. Yeah, and Baker plays the defensive midfield because he is normally a centre mid. Smallbone, but Powell can also play centre mid. So maybe those two just play a bit of a free form if small, small bone goes forward, Powell just stays a bit further back and vice versa.
1: Or, or you just oh. the old-fashioned route and say, you, you whoever's playing best has the shirt, it's their shirt to lose, and then they've got to keep their standards up, and the person who's coming on, if, if you bring the other player on for the last 10 50 minutes, they know they've got to make an impact to try and get the shirt off, off the guy who's starting. That's how you raise standards. If if a player knows that he's not playing the next game, but he'll play the one after, where's his, where's his, you know, how are you supposed to inspire him into performing to his best?
3: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think, I think Smallbone will bounce back because when he came off that field today and he walked past the booth and where I sit, he looked despondent and knew he had a bad game. He knew that he needs to improve on himself and he probably will bounce back if he plays against Sunderland.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think I think so, mate. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when he comes back, but having a, a fit Nick Powell is never going to be a bad option. Um, next one on the list, Harry Suter, yeah, back in October. I um, can't wait to see Harry back, but I think, again, he's another one that's going to need time. Uh, we can't expect him just to come back in October and be the old Harry Suter. I think that's completely unrealistic. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing him back. I can't wait to see him and Connor Taylor together. Really can't. I mean they, they can help each other. I mean they're they're both only still very young, so they can help each other develop, but um again, that'll lower our average age in our defence to probably about fifteen. So that's that's good to see. Um so, you mentioned.
1: So uh, what, what we're saying is pa- Powell's back after the international break, Sutor's back after the World Cup break. Yeah, pretty
3: much to be safe, I'd say.
1: Yeah, December time before he's you know, properly fit and Raring to go.
3: I think he's doing basic training at the moment, but he'll be properly first-team training. Getting back into it in October.
1: I I don't... Unless he's trying to make the Australia squad for the World Cup. No. I can't. (laughs) No, no, but to be fair to him, how many opportunities is he going to get to play at the World Cup? None, probably. So... If if he if he can, and obviously you know the, the the Australian manager said didn't he, when he got injured, oh, it was a big blow for them. He's the best defender on their continent. I
3: if I generally he, have a feeling that if Harry Soutar's back fitting in training, Australia might generally just select him because well, they know they, how good the player is.
1: Yeah, I think if he if he's going to the World Cup, then Stoke will probably be play him because they think he well he's going to be playing anyway. Um. But if not, it might be worth just leaving him and then giving him a couple of behind-the-door, closed-doors friendlies. Just Because obviously I imagine that the first-team squad will be playing like the odd friendly or two while the World Cup stages are on. He's still the... eligible
3: for the... He could probably drop to the 21s to start recovery as well, couldn't he? Properly.
1: Yeah, but you can play over eight, over four... Is it four? Four over eight, three or four? Four, over yeah. players anyway um but yeah i think like i say especially if he's not going to go to the world cup then i would i'd seriously not give him a, a minute of combative championship football until after the world cup
2: yeah yeah fair enough um and a couple of other players to mention i said a couple uh so obviously dwight gale's got an early kind of Doubt for Sunderland, but I think he's probably been taken off as a precaution. So uh, we'll see how he fares. Um, Either way, I think we've got cover for that. So it's not the end of the world. Um, And then the three, well, the three other more, let's say, longer term on top of the others. Obviously, Clark, as we know, is going to be out for six weeks. And then the brand new fresh injuries just to top everything off for this week. Tymon, four to six weeks. Lawrence, six to eight weeks. So our attacking threat gone down the left. What seemingly has been a bit of glue holding us together in midfield in Lawrence, gone for two months. And again, is that before they're back actually rearing?
3: Maybe you know, the way that they've something. done it is the four weeks for time and could be back into training, then playing in six weeks. But the one thing I'm going to say is before people say, oh, why don't we play McCarron? I think I think Mike can say the answer to that.
2: Um, lightweight and not good enough?
3: He's also injured.
2: And he's injured, yeah, obviously. So,
3: so yeah. I think yeah got the, actually, we've
1: got Thompson. I think you've got him confused with Kilkenny there, haven't you? <laughs> They're both very similar.
2: Yeah, but <laughs> um
1: the the other thing, I don't know if you noticed, but when uh Fosu went off, he was limping and Oh no. So, don't but, but I it was it was I looked at him and thought, oh. He looks he looks injured. He's limping but then he's the board went up for him and off he went and I and I'm, I imagine he's probably maybe just cramp because obviously he hasn't played has he in a while and then he's gone straight into a game and it was what it was about eighty minutes seventy eight minutes when he came off? Yeah he played so eighty eight minutes. Just, maybe he was just cramping up a bit. It was like it was sort of like one of those limps where you just sort of like out. <laughs>
2: So maybe I've that's what Gales that, is. I was trying to get off the sofa the other day, got up and I had cramp. I mean, I understand exactly what he feels. <laughs> um, anyway, um, let's move on. Uh, so, Dan, under-21s, I believe they played uh, Monday night, I think.
1: Yes, so obviously we've signed a few new players over the summer. They started the league campaign on Monday night, it's a trip up to Newcastle. And uh, there were three actual, three debutants who actually joined on the day. So they signed for the call of the day, played in the evening, uh, and we went and won 1-0. It was a goal from Ben Kershaw, who had actually, was actually one of the signings, um, who'd signed earlier on in the day. So, yeah, it was a lovely finish as well. Uh, very composed, walk on two, made of the box. And he sort of fake faked uh, initial shot, got himself in, you know, Touched it to the last got himself a bit of room and then just go bent it straight in the top corner. Um, another one a guys signed with actually is uh, Anderson. So it's Edwin Anderson, a Swedish youth international, and who signed him from Chelsea. And I think he's quite sort of you know quite well thought of there as well. So done very well to get his signature, and probably testament as well to you know how we're bringing players through and the youth and that that we're attracting players like this and they're happy to come and you know, leave Chelsea at 18 to come and sign for us. Um, so, yeah, maybe...
2: Sorry, Dan, I was just going to say, I wonder how long it'll be before he's pushing into the first team. Do you think it's more of a wait and see how it is over the next maybe three three to six months and kind of review it maybe in January type time? Do you think that's probably fair? With our injury yeah.
1: situation, it might be next week. <laughs> well, he's he's 18, he's a winger, um he's played up to under 19 under, un, he's played up to under 19 level for Sweden and he's played quite a lot of football for Chelsea and like the Youth Champions League and so far so he's obviously got a bit about him above his years, like he's playing above his age levels even for them so it'll be interesting like you say is under 21 football, how long is he going to be under 21s before he's Excelling and, and pushing for a place around the first team squad. Because I know that obviously Stoke have been really good at getting players in and around the first team for training. Like they'll, they'll re- quite regularly bring up players who are doing well on the under 23s to beef out their, the first team straight training like squads and just to see how they react around them. I mean, with the current injury crisis, they might all be playing. My bad. Like, you know, for his teams versus under twenty ones or something, but um, yeah, where's he think... going to
2: play though? Because if he's a winger, obviously, clearly we don't play wingers, and um, but surely we're not going to be converting him to another wing back. We can't do that with all the wingers, can we?
1: Well, if they want to play, <laughs> <laughs> they're converted into summits. We do need a new left wing back. But, yeah, the, like I say the the two mid, the midfielder Ben or he's come from Rochdale. And we've signed Holland Wilkinson, 19-year-old striker from Preston.
2: There he is. Oh. They've obviously been doing the scouting then. They've gone from Chelsea to Preston. <laughs> so, yeah, there's pl- pl- plenty uh, plenty going on in, in the youth scouting network anyway. So,
1: But Ooh. yeah, there was, it was interesting. Um, obviously, Eddie Jones played in that under-21 side. Uh, Blondie was in goal. De Haney played right back. Uh, so yeah, there's like I say a few a few names who've been you know either been out on loan or been in and around the first team as well.
2: I wonder that you mentioned. Oh no, no, uh, horrible thoughts just crossed my mind, Dan. No,
0: oh, I was going
2: to say Dehaney right right back and put Fosu on the left wing back then. That was the first thing that's jumped into my head. If Fosu's more left, it, it might left need
3: winger. to be used at this point.
2: Yeah, or do, you, or
3: do you give Eddie Jones a massive promotion? And put all that pressure on his shoulders. Mm.
1: Unfortunately, he went to Hartlepool and couldn't get a game there. So I'm yeah. not convinced I would give him much chance yet. It may be, just didn't suit him, and he may. But I think he needs another loan to go and get some games. Because obviously he did not benefit much from going there.
2: Now, and clearly if he goes on another loan and doesn't play again... He's probably going to be released before long, so we'll see. We'll see. Um, right, okay. Um, anything else we want to discuss before we look look ahead to Sunderland this weekend? Uh,
1: no, no. I'm. I'm going to think we've got everything covered there. We've got everybody up to date.
2: All right. Cheers, mate, Andy.
3: Anything from you? No, it seems pretty decent. We've mentioned about the injury situation. Everyone and anyone pretty much could be promoted. Me, you, and Dan could probably get into the team at this point with the injury situation. So, I feel like we're good.
2: Lovely. Sounds good to me. Right, let's have a look at Sunderland this weekend. OK, well, uh, let's start off in uh, traditional fashion, uh, looking to Sunderland. So, we'll go for the stat off. Um, I think Andy went first last week. So, Dan, uh, I'm going to let you go first with your stats uh, for Sunderland, mate.
1: OK, thank you very much. Um... So, last 10 home games versus Sunderland. So, this is dating back to 2005. Uh, we have got a pretty decent record. 1 6, drew 3, lost one uh, we I've actually scored 11 goals and conceded 5. So, we don't have many goals in games versus Sunderland, but we do seem to come out on the right side of them. Yeah, I know in a few of them games as well, Sunderland would actually have been like the higher ranked side, if you like. Like, they'd be going for promotion. In the championship, and we would have been mid table. So I know it's sort of swapped around in recent years, but yeah, going for about 15 years or so, there was definitely, they were, uh, you know, considered a bigger club than us, weren't they? In, yeah, in terms of getting out of this league, uh, looking at where we are, obviously, you know, the results haven't been great, have they, recently? So we've got four points, which is two more than we got from the corresponding fixtures that we've played this season so last season's games against the same opposition we are two points better off this season than we were last which is surprising really until you know we must have had a tough start tougher start than we thought however four points is actually six less than we had after four games last season when we had 10 and we were in 18th place which is 15 places lower than we were at this point last season so, or's not rosy no. <laughs> in that respect. Um, as for the referee, it's Oliver Langford this week. He's refed us fourteen times. Uh, we've won four, drew uh, one, four drew three, lost seven. He's given us twenty-three yellows, one red, and one penalty. So, yeah, he doesn't must doesn't seem to be card happy in that respect. You know, one and a half yellows a game. It's not massive, is it? Um, he did ref us a couple of games last season. He refed us when we beat Nottingham Forest one nil, uh, when we had that you know uh, lovely team goal that everybody touched the ball and then time and smashed it into the bottom corner. Uh, but he, the last time he refed us was a one nil defeat away at Bristol City, uh, where he sent off Joe Allen late on. So that's his one red in these fourteen Stoke games. Uh, incidentally, any other looking at all the other games, these refsters. There was the remember we beat Leeds in the Carabao Cup when Nathan Jones was the manager. Yeah, beaten seven six on penalties. He was the ref that
2: night. Okay, okay, he didn't do too bad a job then. No, but
1: yes, uh, that that is me for this week.
2: Oh, okay, not bad, not, not bad, bad, Daniel, not bad, Andy.
3: So um, this is the first league meeting between Stoke and Sunderland since the 2016-17 Premier League campaign where we won both of the, the, I can't speak tonight, both of those meetings that season. Um, Adding to that, Sunderland have only won one of their last 10 league visits to Stoke, which Dan meant, and that one win that they did have was in February 2012, thanks to a goal from none other than Mr. James McLean. Um, Stoke have lost 63 of the 183, 138, sorry, league meetings with Sunderland and no side. We have lost more against in their history in the league, in our history. And the only other team which is level with that is Liverpool. So if we do lose at the weekend, Sunderland will be our worst team that we've ever faced in leagues. Um, Sunderland manager Alex Neal has won both of his away league matches against Stoke in the Championship where he won with Preston in 2018-19 and 2019-20. And the final fact I've got for you is Sunderland are unbeaten in their last 10 league games played on a Saturday where they've won seven and drawn three since a 2-1 home loss to MK Dons in February.
2: Nice. Ooh. I think I'm going to call it a draw. Some good some good stats there, boys. Well done. I
3: had to count how many games we played against. <laughs>
1: I'll, do, um, I'll give you, see if you can get us this one, Andy. You know you said last time we played them in 2016, we beat them home and away? Yep. Do you know when the last time we beat them away in the league was before that day? It was in the 90s. 97.
0: 93.
1: 1994.
3: That was the oh, last. Oh, you're kidding! So,
1: 1994 was the last time before that that we beat them away, and then after before that, it was 1982. <laughs> so, what you're wait, telling wait. me
3: is I should not go to the stadium the light this season.
1: So, yeah, I've been there three times, and I best side was a one order draw when Seb's Ford Arsenal oh, loanee scored.
2: I was going to say, uh, Andy, you weren't even born in, the, in in that time, were you? I wasn't, I wasn't even born in 1982. No, <laughs> the bloody 1994. 1990- I wasn't even 94. thought
3: about being born at that point.
2: Yeah, anyway. Um, I'm a baby, aren't I? You're a baby, you're a baby. Uh, anyway, so... Um, to be fair, I, Mike,
1: to make you feel really old, Andy wasn't even born when John was in charge.
2: No, that's scary, <laughs> <Stop> isn't it? <laughs> stop it, stop <laughs> it. <laughs>
3: You know what? This is. I'm resigning. I'm resigning right here and now. No, I'm done. Oh no! Please I, don't. I love
2: You'll it. I love it too
3: much here.
2: Please don't. You'll be missed. Please don't go. Okay. Um. See you in a bit. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, anyway, um, as always, we will like to treat you full of audio And we've got four pieces of audio tonight So um, Sam from the Roker Report podcast I'm sure you've seen them They've been on the uh, Sunderland Till I Die documentary, etc So uh, Sam's kindly uh, popped us over some audio uh, To see what we've got to look forward to this weekend
6: Hi lads, Sam here from the Roker Report podcast Just looking to give a quick insight Into all things Sunderland ahead of our game At the weekend against yourselves um, so far this season we've played three games, and we played Coventry on the opening game of the season on a Sunday, twelve o'clock kickoff. Um, forty thousand at the Stadium of Light. It was a great occasion, and the main thing we took away from that game was we didn't really look out of place against the champion, an established championship side. Really, I mean the jump up from League One to the Championship is quite big nowadays, and I think. That was the main thing our fans were worried about So we drew the game Then moved on to Bristol City Where we got our first win In a uh, great game for the neutrals Really, in a 3-2 win Our new and Ellis Sims Got off to a great start, scoring two goals On his debut, Ross Stewart got off the mark Getting the winner And then last Saturday We played QPR at home And <laughs> with the old Adage of a game of two halves I've never really seen a game quite like it i mean we absolutely dominated the first half and large spells of the second qpr had a few injuries they were missing chris willick and the like and we just dominated them sims scoring on his home debut continuing his form from the week before stewart scoring as again going 2-0 up and cruising and then in the last sort of 10 minutes of the game just Sitting back a little bit too much maybe, but it still took a top corner free kick from chair, and then um, I'm sure you've all seen, and I'd rather not talk about it for too long, but QPR's goalkeeper then pops up with the equaliser, and then to make matters worse, goes down the other end and pulls off a spectacular double save to deny us the three points, so if that isn't the most sudden sentence I've ever heard, I don't know what is, but once you've had a few days to sort of sleep on it, it's a good point. You know what I mean? We're a newly promoted side from League One. We've come up through the playoffs, and to be unbeaten in the season at the start of the season, I think is we would have all taken that. So, in terms of how we're set up, we're playing a three slash five at the back, um with wing backs. But our wing backs at the minute are wingers. so We're using Lyndon Gooch and Jack Clark. So while it's quite good going forward because it's quite attacking, it going the other way it is quite difficult for them to defend one on one because that's just not their game at all. But we're we're at the minute we're playing the two strikers of Sims and Stewart and they're doing really well. So we we're, we're looking good. We're scoring goals. It's just going the other way. We we look, it it's looking hard to keep a clean sheet. But like like I said earlier, we're we're a newly promoted side, so we just need to find our feet more than anything. Um, prediction for the game as always head says 2-1 Stoke 2-0 Stoke heart is 1-1 draw so I'm going to go 1-1 draw but I think it'll be a really difficult game for us yourselves are a very established championship side looking to kick on and made some excellent signings so far particularly up front and hopefully that the ex-Newcastle striker doesn't score, but I think Sutherland fans are, will definitely be expecting that going into the game. So, cheers, lads. Thank you.
2: OK, Sam, thank you very much indeed, mate. Uh, I think you've been extremely complimentary by saying that you think we're going to win. Uh, maybe you'll scrape a jaw. I think you're probably not aware of just how many people that we've had injured. If you're listening to this, then you now know how many people we got injured um, and for how bad we played tonight. I wouldn't be so downhearted about what your chances are this weekend. So, uh, yeah, another team. I mean, every, I was going to say uh, this is like two weeks on the trot, three-five-two. Uh, so they play the same type of formation. Uh, clearly, the way to beat them is to probably invite them onto us um, and hit them on the counter attack. From what he was saying, because they like to they like to attack, but obviously they will leave space as well. So, um, yeah, not a bad start to the season for Sunderland. To be honest, I think they're not they're not doing bad, badly at all. Playing well, scoring goals, but obviously conceding. So my bet of the week, I have to make section, but my bet of the week, both teams to score, has to be on your coupon this weekend. Um, Anyway, uh, talk about predictions. Uh, Mr. Graham McGarry. Uh, now he went for a 2-0 Stoke win versus Middlesbrough. So he's not started too well this season, uh, but let's see what he's gone for uh, against Sunderland as well.
7: Hello there, once again, you Potter's predictors, well, it's getting tougher, isn't it, as the days go by and the games go by. Stoke City just don't seem as though they can get on a winning run. But there was a bit of fighting spirit there to come back in midweek and get that draw against Middlesbrough. Well, it's still the North East, Wearside, Mackens, call them what you like, area of the country that you face this weekend when Sunderland are the next visitors, of course, to the Bet365 Stadium. They found it tough but performed admirably well at Bramble Lane in midweek. They were down to 10 men for a long period of that game and perhaps they felt a little bit unfortunate it didn't take something out of it. But they settled well to moving back up into the Championship and it's going to be a tough test for Stoker or not playing with hardly any confidence whatsoever. But can they just see out a Saturday afternoon and make it a good weekend the Potters fans go on, then let's make it a good weekend. Stoke one, Sunderland and nil.
2: Lovely cheers, Graham. Obviously, one nil uh, prediction, mate. So, uh, yeah, um, I don't know about that. I've just said both teams score, so uh, I think you might be onto a loser again this week, Graham. But either way, mate, thank you for sending it across. Um, so boys, team predictions now. I mean, God knows what's going to happen with this because, again. Injuries galore, all over the place. Uh, but Dan, I'm going to come to you first, mate. Uh, what's your team prediction and also scoreline prediction, please?
1: The manager needs to change the formation at this point. We're
2: okay. not in a good we're not in a good place, are we?
1: We, there's people dropping like flies. We've, <laughs> we've got very, you know, we're really struggling here to to sort of put a but a credible team together. Um, in certain positions. But then because of the recruitment, if we do change particularly the defence and go to a flat back four, we haven't really recruited for that, have we? We haven't got the players to play, you know, full backs now. No. So yes, it's it's very difficult. I want to play four, two, three, one. But the issue I've got is I can't find a left back.
2: Morgan Fox. Unfortunately.
1: That, that unfortunately, is the person who's in my team currently. Um,
3: So what you're telling me is Michael O'Neill needs to to go into the loan market or something to get a left-back or a left-wing back?
1: Right. Go with me with this, right? Joe Bertie can go. Okay. Ben Wilmot at right-back. Okay. Connor Taylor, Phil Jagielka centre-backs. Okay. And Fosu, left-back. He's left-footed. He'll attack. He's got pace. So Kyle Walker's got pace and is good at attacking. So he can do it in the championship. I've decided. He
3: won't complain <laughs> about game time online, will he?
1: No. As long as he stays fit, he'll get game time. <laughs> um, centre midfield, I'm going for Lewis Baker and Jordan Thompson as my two in midfield. Uh, both good on the ball. I think they'll be a nice partnership together. Um, means Sam Klukas doesn't have to play. Uh, Will Smallbone. Yeah, he's not going to be playing in my team here today. I don't know where I'd fit him in as well as the four I've got up further, further up the field. Um, those four being Jacob Brown on the left, but Tyrese Campbell on the right, um, and then I've got Liam DeLap sort of playing a little bit deeper with Dwight Gale up front. I think DeLap can be a sort of Nick Powell type figure where we can run the game through him. I think he's you know, he's quite good in the air, but he's got a bit of a more physical presence than the other strikers we've got. So we have sort of got options there, where we can sort of, like yep. say, play into him or we can also play into feet. I think he, from the bits I've seen of him, obviously, you know, it's not at a sort of... He hasn't played much to the professional you know, level as he? he's been more sort of youth football than that. But he seems to be a very clever forward, and obviously he's very technically gifted. Obviously that you know, goes without saying, doesn't it? So I think yeah you know, we can make the most of him by surrounding him with pace and attack in Campbell and Brown and Gale. <laughs>
2: So, in terms of talking about... Uh, so actually, no, let me get your scoreline prediction before I move on to mine, sorry. Uh, what scoreline are you going for?
1: Uh, I don't know why, but 3-1. <laughs> okay. You're all not
2: right.
3: going to make me make another weird noise, are you? But why? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, why
6: 3-1? Yep.
1: Because we've got all them strikers on there, and we're just... Yeah, it's all good. This, this will be the game... This is going to be like the Lee Hendry, Salif Jow, Danny Higgin, what I'm joining, all them years, it'll just click.
3: The question I've
1: got for you, though, if
3: this formation does get played and we only score one, what are your thoughts?
1: Oh, to, to, we haven't played this formation for about two years, so, <laughs> so it'll take a bit more bedding in. But I think, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, then. At the minute, I can't see who apart from Smallbone, like who possibly could come into that team who's fit at the minute
2: sorry dan i was just going to say i don't i don't disagree with you i think it's it's a good it's a good team to go with but you're on about who to bring into midfield so i've kind of ripped off your um thoughts from last week in a way with mine right so brown
4: at wing
2: back, brown at wing back. so um the which i think's harsh considering he scored two goals but just hear me out so at uh, yeah, I agree. Change of formation is probably the way to go. I've done my team based on what I think Michael will do, um, to be honest. So, 3-5-2. Now, think of your midfield as a Christmas tree. Okay, so we've got, uh, obviously, Wilmot, Jags, and Taylor speaks for itself. Yeah, so we've got Thompson, left wing back, Brown, right wing back, and then we've got Baker in the midfield with Fosu alongside him. So, Fosu on the left-hand side of that kind of Christmas tree. Um Lapp, um is the other attacking midfielder slash deep line kind of striker. Um And then we'll have Gale and Campbell up front together. So, yeah, settle back three, Christmas tree midfield and Gale and Campbell up front. The no, only change I've do got it, with no. that
3: is you could switch Thompson and Fossey around. Depends how he wants to play. I wouldn't mind either way. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's you could do either team. of
2: them. And they could both keep switching and changing, which obviously adds an extra dynamic. So, I mean, yeah, Luke, uh, that, that's what I hope we would do. I don't think for a second he'll do it. Um, I think he'll not want to remove Brown from being up front at all, to be honest. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, my prediction, 1-1. I think the lap will start on the bench, and he will come on and get the equaliser, having gone 1-0 down.
1: Mm.
2: Andy, um, I mean you've kind of alluded to your team I think a little bit uh, late,
3: but... I've made one or two changes Oh, go on So, you know how you said Oh, ride with me on this, ride with me on this I think mm-hmm. mine I normally go for Michael O'Neill's going to play this I've changed it a bit I've kept the formation I've kept you know, the sort of Christmas tree that you've got But I've gone with Bursic and goal I've gone with Fossu at left wing back And Wilmot at right wing back Okay um, A centre-back pairing, well, three, of Taylor, Jagielka and Okubwe from the under-21s. Now, I've been to quite a few of the under-21s games, and he's solid. He is a pretty good defender. He's been on the bench, I believe, once or twice in cup games. I've seen him travel. He's a strong defender, and I feel like I want to see Taylor on that left-hand side. And to be fair, if it doesn't work, Michael O'Neill can, you know, sub on Sparrow at half time and put Wilmot back at right centre back. So it's a bit of an experiment. Mm. But then midfield. You know, Irish
1: under twenty one, isn't he? Irish under twenty one. Yeah, stands.
3: Irish under twenty-one. So it's not like he's, you know, just a random under twenty one centre back that we've got. He's, he's got a good character about him. And he reminds me in a way of Nathan Collins. And we brought Nathan Collins into the team at early at an early age. And look at, look at what he's doing now for Wolves and Republic of Ireland in general. So, that's my back line. Um, midfield three, I've gone with Thompson and Baker a bit further back like you, Mike, and Smallbone further forward. I feel like tonight was just a bit of a bit of a fluke in the ability he's got. And then up front, I've gone with Delap and Brown.
2: OK, yeah. Yeah, no arguments for me again, mate. I think there's a few different ways we can go with this. We haven't got too much choice, but uh, what's your uh, scoreline prediction?
3: You stole mine but I've got a stick on my gut and go one-all draw.
2: Okay, it was, it was you stealing me, so yeah, a, a 2 a draw, you're doing it again. Um, okay. uh,
3: I changed on my predictions video to a one or draw, and it was a 2 or draw tonight. So, well, it,
2: whatever you, know, whatever it, you it do it you could YouTube, change YouTube, <laughs> YouTube is irrelevant. We're talking about a podcast. People listening to this want to know the comparisons on a podcast.
3: You know what, I'll go two-one Stoke then, how about that?
2: There you go, two ones there. Well done, mate. So I'm the only one who's got us down for not winning. Brilliant. Um, let's see who's closest. Uh, so I uh, just want to have a quick update on um the super six, if you don't mind. So Carl Warburton absolutely smashing it, mate, with 30 points. Uh, and <laughs> just great. I think you got like four correct scores, and the rest of it was made up with the correct results so obviously really good uh kind of done one from there um the others haven't really changed actually very much so you get Glenn goodwin uh kevin Shovebotham and luke jones the joint second on 27 points and would you add a beneath it we've got mike dan and andy all joint 69th (laughs) on 14 points (laughs) nice um, so yeah, we're not doing great um, And I think we're going to skip Gaffer updates this week Because I just haven't done very well
3: I will say one thing about it I've dropped from 5th to like 34th
1: uh, Excuse me We are not skipping Gaffer updates Just <laughs> oh, because no. you're uh, oh, all rubbish Just because you're so, in the pretty much Bottom part of the table, Mike Purely because Joe Williams has got 285 points And he's in first place So it will be unfair on Joe that's well done. That's a great start to the season. In second place, uh, Steve Bruce. <laughs> even though he is an anchor with a big... Big head. Big head. He's on 277 points. Has he got place. Liam Delap in his team by any chance? Uh, not yet. Otherwise he's scored no points, would not he? The third is Jack Curran He's got 262 So well done to them three, they're in the medal positions So far
0: Uh, As for where
1: we are uh, Well, 23rd, leading the way for this podcast Is Andy Uh, 26th is myself (laughs) Very competition with me and Dan now
2: (laughs) And then if you you Move on, move on
1: If you add (laughs) our position together and add a few more You get to 54, (laughs) Which is
2: where Mike (laughs) is Out of how many, Dan? 54th uh, out of 53, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my word. Did I t- what did I say, though? I said this at the very beginning don't <laughs> count on me to do anything in defensive football.
3: You know what? You're just going to come top five at the end of the season. I'm calling that now.
2: Well, I must admit, my excuse is I did change a lot of players and I lost some points because I, I withdrew a lot of players. So uh,
4: You, you yeah.
1: are 54th uh, out of 59. Um, and one of our. Listeners there, John Allfield is in fifty-fifth with the same amount of points as yourself. So I know he's very uh, he's very good and very vocal with us on, on Twitter and see very inter- interact with John quite often. So uh, yeah. Give him a shout out there. So
2: Thanks John for making me not look so bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know whether that's a dig or a thank.
2: It's kind of a bit of both to be honest. Yeah, thanks, John. You keep doing badly, mate, please. Okay, uh, yeah, so we'll see what I do next week. Um, I need to have a look at that team. I think I have to make more subs now after these bloody injuries.
3: You're going to have zero points at the end of next week.
2: Yeah, yeah, Looks out of the way. Um, okay, well, we're not doing a quiz this week, Dan. It's bloody gone past one o'clock in the morning, mate. I've not got the energy. So whatever you've got, save it, please, because I'll start crying. Um you
3: might make a new one at this, Ruth.
2: He might do. It might be the amount of points. Hang gone. Actually, I was going to say the amount of points lost from winning positions. We almost started that run today, didn't we? Um, but, yeah, let's forget that. Um, so, is there any other things you want to discuss before we go?
3: The women's have completely sold out for the Lionesses game. Have they? Yeah, every ticket has been sold out. Got oh, I got mine.
2: I got mine
3: on two. I sadly didn't get mine.
2: Oh, damn it.
1: You are the sixth, I've got mine. I'm no, I'm no bandwagon jumper. I was there before those Euros started.
2: I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, see, I, that's that's my bad. I've been waiting for Josh to tell me. He said he wanted to go, and I've just asked him the other day, do you still want to go? And he's like, I'm not sure, Dad. So, OK, well, there you are. Decision's been made for you. So that's a shame. <laughs> but, oh, well, I, 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 that's actually just a very quick one. Is that going to be televised? I'm assuming so, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it'll be on some channel, won't it, somewhere. Just closer to ITV, maybe, PVC.
2: Okay, well, I think that's pretty much it for this this kind of pod then. Um, So uh, is that back-to-back two pod weeks I think we've had? Uh, well, three pod, actually, because if anyone hasn't watched it um, or listened to it, rather, uh, Dan uh, and Nandy put together a uh, kind of season preview. So it was a bit of a deep dive into each club. So if you've not listened to that and you want to just kind of catch up on each individual club, who's signed, etc., uh, feel free to check that out if you haven't already done so. Um, and I don't and just, got a, just on?
1: to say on that note as well, um, if you are thinking, I don't want to sit and listen to Dan and Andy waffle on for an hour and a half. Event. We, me, and you speak very little on there, don't we, Andy? Most of it um, is done by supporters yeah. of each club. We got we, some, obviously we, got a supporter yeah. from each club who sent in, you know, a couple of minutes on. Basically, they they did all the work, and we just sort of sat back and then just read out the transfers and said where we thought yeah, they'd we
3: finished. We introduced <laughs> it. We explained it. They analysed it. And yeah. It, it yeah. is it is a fairly interesting listen. I've listened to it back, even though I hate the sound of my own voice. But I've listened to it back and it's fairly interesting to see how some teams think they're going to do this season. And then you hear some of our predictions and one or two are looking very wrong for me at the moment. I said like Hull 21st and they're currently sitting second. But...
2: Well... Give it time, mate. They won't be there at the end of the season. Don't you worry. I think uh,
3: So you're saying three, there's all... a chance there's playoffs for us?
1: Well, <laughs> all three of us had Stoke finishing the same position than they. <laughs> yeah. Well. <laughs> well.
2: Yeah. We'll we'll see how that one pans out. I mean, we'll start to catch up on our prediction table and stuff like that, won't we? Down in the next few weeks. I think early days at the minute, so we'll we'll leave that. We'll a, do it every weeks.
3: quarter of the season. Yeah. That.
2: We'll we'll have a look. I mean, I'll be bottom of that probably as well. So. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, let's call it a night. It's time to go sleep. I've got work in the morning. So, um, thank you boys for obviously joining us again. Uh, let's hope we can actually talk about a win for once, uh, come Sunderland. Um, and yeah, I don't, I, said, I don't think there is a midweek match, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, there'll be one pod next week. It's normal the time.
3: Carabao Cup round yes. two. So, we haven't made that because of Morecambe. So, thanks for that. <laughs>
2: yeah, that that players can recover. Well, n- nobody that actually means any any use to us, to be honest, mate. But yeah, so again, thank you to everyone who's listened. If you haven't followed us on on the social media channels, again, go to the Facebook group, just type in every step along the way, and of course on Twitter at every step along.
0: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery.